0: Not so anonymous with the Now I Like and subscribe. Not so anonymous with EJ All right, cool. We're here with uh, Evan B., man. Um, Evan, first of all, thank you for doing this, man. Thanks for letting us in your house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I know Evan, man. I know Evan from my time um, in the Salvation Army mm-hmm. Rehabilitation Center. Um, doozy. Do do, do you mind if I tell people where I first met you, like our first interaction?
1: Well, it wasn't at the country club. No, definitely not. Yeah. You can go ahead and tell them.
0: I think so. I was with the intake coordinator. I was in a trustee position and, um, we picked Evan up at San Joaquin County jail. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, we were in rehab for probably about three months together before I completed the six-month program. And um, this is like – recovery is such a crazy thing because you can never say who's going to get it and who's not going to get it, right? Like we were in with so many guys – and, and, and it goes the same for anything. Like I wouldn't have bet my wet socks on myself that I was going to stay clean at absolutely. First, right? not. Yeah. Um, and here we are, we're like six years down the road, and I just see this dude accelerating in life, right? Thank you. I see his, his Facebook posts, and it seems like things are always getting better and better and better. And so I definitely, when I got the opportunity, wanted to have Evan on here. So, man, thank you for, for taking the time for us.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. It's never never thought you'd be coming over here, man, to talk about recovery when I first met you, to say yeah. that much, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so um, what's your clean date, Evan? September 14, 2016. 2016. And yeah. so what does that mean to you? Man, that's a loaded question. It's... Uh, I mean, it means everything. I mean, without my clean date... I mean, I... They they say, like, if I kept using drugs the way I was using drugs, I'd be dead, right? It's like my disease was so bad and so insidious that I firmly believe that my punk-ass disease wanted me alive to suffer as long as possible. My clean date to me means you know, this, this woman that I love, I get to marry her October 6th, this house that we're sitting in. I, you know, my name's on the freaking deed. I'm not just here right now, you know, without the owner's permission, you know, my wife, (laughs) (laughs) the woman I love knows I'm here. Um, it's just the gift of life, man, that I, that I don't deserve, but I get to have because, you know, I just held on to my fucking seat. Right. Yeah. And so, um,
0: people like people watching this they probably like are looking at you looking at me and they're probably like oh these guys don't know what it's like right especially if somebody's deep in their disease right now um so we usually like to take some time and qualify you know like qualify ourselves like um what like what gives you the right to speak
1: about the disease of addiction right um so i i'll just take it way back you guys want to let's go you guys want to identify let's go um <laughs> I had a childhood, an immaculate childhood, right? I had a mom and dad that loved each other. I I got a million presents on Christmas. I had a big house, wonderful childhood. I had a dad who was charismatic. He was a rock star, right? And that same dad struggled with, um, you know, his own demons, substance abuse, right? Long story short, he died in a pool, in our family pool when I was... 17 years old, you know, one, one year shy of becoming a man. So that's stuff that I, you know, I'm still working steps on or, or not working steps sometimes on today. You know, yeah, it right? depends what kind of, um, place I am in my spirit. But, um, so dad dies. I'm 17 years old, gets sent off to Northern California, man. From that point on, I was homeless basically from the time I was 17, got into hard drugs, 18 you know, then I decided it'd be a good idea to move from Mendocino down to, you know, Manteca Stockton. And, you know, that's, if you haven't been, I suggest, you know, going there and living on the streets there. It's, it's wonderful there. (laughs) It's, it's absolutely great there. I spent from the time I was about 17 years old to the time I believe I was 23 years old. I was homeless, showering behind uh, Walmart's I still remember the worst feeling ever being homeless, man, is when you're sick. You have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to lay your head. You just want people to acknowledge you. You know, you have no contact with your family. So that's that's it for me. There was nothing glamorous about my use. I wasn't slanging anything. I was five sacks, trade a pair of shoes, you know, riding a mountain bike with flat tires. Just total knock was my story. Yeah. A, absolute knock.
0: So like, what is homeless like from like, I mean, this has got to be like a complete like clash of culture from like Mm -hmm. this, this wonderful childhood, boom, huge trauma, Mm -hmm. homeless streets of Stockton. Mm -hmm. Like, how does a person coming from this learn to assimilate to this so quick? I mean, how do you, how do you fit in in the streets of Stockton? Like, how do you make it?
1: Um, I started off in Manteca and it was cool because I came from Mendocino. So I came with a lot of weed, right? So naturally when you have a lot of weed living out of your car at first, car broke down, had to sell the car for like 200 bucks, right? So then that's when I became officially homeless and not just living out of a car, but I came with a lot of weed and, you know, and just in the using game in general, if you have stuff, it makes you more desirable to people in general. It doesn't matter who those people are. Luckily I ran into some pretty, um, rough and ready types, you know, and that was in Mantica. And uh I became close with them. So even though I was kind of like this, you know, hippie, preppy, you know, shy kind of guy, I was able to um share what I had with um the right people at the right time. And that's cause we do that in recovery now. We share what we have with the right people at the right time. So right. it's basically the same idea, just transfers over into recovery too, which is cool that when you th- I just thought of that. But uh that's basically it, man. I'm just met people and I was able to share what I had and they accepted me.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, for me being, uh, from Las Banas, right. And mm-hmm. then born and raised in Las Banas my whole life and just going to treatment in Stockton, walking the streets of Stockton. It's
1: like, how does anybody survive this? It's rough, right? I mean, I, that's, that's a rough sc- place. I have scars from a bottle, from another bottle right here. You know, I have, I have a lot of scars that, uh, and a lot of memories, man, from, from those times. So. So like going like
0: forward, like obviously is is um like what does that look like from from this point of your life? Like what it gives you that gift of desperation? Like I mean, I gotta imagine you, you realize when you're out there like this isn't like this isn't for me. Like shit's gotta change, right? Waking
1: up, man. Couldn't have said it better, man. You wake up, you know, it, it's freezing during, during the winters, right? I'd wake up behind the Walmart, man, just freezing cold, wet socks. And I would remember just literally crying, like just wondering how my life got to this point. Like it what the it, recovery doesn't happen overnight. Same getting fu- like fucking your whole situation doesn't happen overnight either. It was just a series of steps that I made that put me in this fucking spot that I could not believe that I was in. And I remember just crying, and I, I still remember that to this day. I have friends in recovery who think they can smoke weed. I have friends in recovery, no, recovery. you know what I mean? It's yeah. different for, you know, I try to stay. it's different fucking for everybody, right? I, I just, I know what works for me, and um, I just remember that fucking prayer, man. Like, what, like, how, if you give me one shot, I swear I'll take advantage of it, and that shot came in the form of a prison sentence. We can get to that later, but that's what, that's what basically after all this thinking and all this shit, like how did I get here? That's what gave me my gift of desperation, man is a joint suspended prison sentence. And I like to act tough, but when it comes down to actually taking a prison sentence, it's, makes you you know, think about a couple of things. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's a, yeah.
0: I, you know, and I couldn't even imagine, right? Like I was a walk-in, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and a lot of people look at me like I was the craziest guy. in. they're like, what the fuck do you walk-in Oh, yeah, for? you walk-ins
1: were different, bro. We yeah. looked at you guys like, these fucking clowns. Yeah, <laughs> well, I wanted to get clean and I wanted to stay clean, right? right? right. And, and so um,
0: getting that prison sentence was like, it doesn't feel like a gift at the time. Right. But now looking back on it, like total Godshot. Yeah. Cause totally. I mean, were you, ex- when you were out on the streets and doing those things before, um, did you, were you exposed
1: to recovery at all? Or did you even have a concept of what that would look like? I mean, it was a sucker's, like, you know, to me, it was a sucker's thing. Just like when I was, like, if you were to, Each because I got arrested, I had a big rap sheet. I was I was chronically going to jail, right? So anybody that took a program to lessen their time or go to the pro or tell the judge, "Hey, I need help," they were a sucker, right? So you go you go to jail, you do your time, you get out, so you can keep ripping and ripping and running and fucking around again. So that was that was my process. I I did six, seven, eight times in county jail you know three months four months six months a, a year you know and then you're just hey shoot me the max so i can get out and fucking keep getting high right and that last time i finally probably a buck 35 135 pounds just broken and i was i just finally spoke up and i said dude can i please have a program and that's when he, he gave it to me
0: right and so the salvation
1: army was that your first program as an adult, yeah. Yeah. As an, I got in fuck tons of trouble when I was a kid, too, and <laughs> I tried to make you do that stuff and never took it serious, you know, paid for rehabs that my parents paid for, um, it, all that shit, man. But th- so, this I mean, is my real shot. You're out shot. on the streets
0: with, you know what recovery looks like. Mm-hmm. You know that, so like, at that point in your life, was it like, you know, like, I don't trust this process or it just hasn't gotten bad enough? Like I mean, because a lot of people will say, like, "Man, I had a like a head full of recovery and a body full of dope, and it was the worst place to be," mm-hmm. you know. But for yourself, it seemed like you had been exposed to this all along, and you knew what
1: that life could be like. Mm-hmm. But you were just choosing the latter. I mean, recovery is like a living process, right? Like, yeah. I can know what recovery is like and what it feels like. But if I'm not fucking doing the things, it's just an idea, right? So, I mean, of course, like, I'm out there, like, hey, I don't have to do this. It's like fucking my disease was so fucking strong. And so I wasn't doing anything to put myself in a better position spiritually, financially, emotionally, none of that stuff. So, that's just a, you know, a bleeping thought, you know, in the back of your mind, like, hey, I cannot do fucking meth and heroin. In- eat stripper ass and fucking you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's it just becomes the normal and you become so habitualized to these maladaptive behaviors and these all this weird coping mechanisms and all this weird shit that it just becomes an unrealistic thought and you don't even want to daydream about it because it's too good to be true and it can't happen to you and it's just it's a weird strange thought process that you get sucked into when I used to think anybody that did anything without
0: using mm-hmm. was a square, right? Or I thought, like, like, why would you even want to live without, without changing the way you feel before anything in life, right? Thanksgiving? Yeah. yeah. Fucking, why would you eat turkey without getting high
1: first? It's crazy.
0: Yeah. And so, like, I understand that mindset. So then there's... There's a shift, right? So then you end up you end up catching this prison sentence, right? You end mm-hmm. up in your first program as an adult. Mm-hmm. At that point, did you really want to change, or was it like <laughs> I'm just I'm just doing. fucking dog? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, at that point I didn't, man. At that I was shitting bricks, right? Because I'm one of those people that if you put me in a position to succeed, I'm going to fuck it up one way or another. I'm going to fuck it up. I was the kid in. Um, you know, sixth grade math class that if everybody was understanding this math equation or what was being taught, I would interrupt the class so no one else could learn because I was scared of being left behind and not being able to fucking learn it. I didn't want people to know that I couldn't learn this, so I didn't want them to learn it either, right? So I get put in this situation where I fucking have to succeed. Three years, eight months, joint, joint suspension. Right. So it means I already signed up for my prison sentence. If, if I were to complete this program, then I'm good. I can walk. Right. So I'm put in this situation where I have to succeed. And I know that I'm fucking awful in these situations. So I, you know, I, and I did everything that I could to fucking sabotage myself. Yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did everything. I bet, I bet you didn't know that at the time that I had three years, eight months writing on the fact that I complete this program with the way I was fucking acting there.
0: No, you know, and that was the thing is, is, um, you know, but you could see, It it was hard to really judge who was going to do what in that program looking back on it because Mm -hmm. it seemed like everybody that went in there wanted to change. Right. Oh, God. You know, but do you, but do you really, right? And so, like, that I would consider because your clean date, you
1: stayed clean, Mm -hmm. uh, but you just didn't make it through the program, right? Didn't make it through that program. Didn't make it. When I got kicked out, I, Couch surfed on my uncle's couch for about two weeks, went to another program, got kicked out around the six-month mark again, didn't make it through another program. I failed two programs, got into a halfway house, and did fine there because I didn't have to do a bunch of structured stuff. But yeah, I mean, anyone that's listening, you don't need to succeed at a program to get this thing, man. The only program that you need to uh, succeed in is whatever program you choose to better yourself yeah. in whatever that may look like.
0: Yeah, because, like, for me, like, everything, like, in my mind going to this program, I had to complete this program in order to start with a success to right. keep doing that. Like, right. that's how my brain works. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was amazed to hear that you had failed at that one, another one, another one. Mm-hmm. and stayed clean throughout. Mm-hmm. So what does that process look like for you? Do you stay plugged into other avenues of recovery? um or do you just kind of be like like that that joint suspension was so fucking scary you just didn't want to use anymore
1: I really can't tell you what what it was man that kept me plugged in I really cannot I I know I followed suggestions I know that cuz I had a week cuz when you're in um what do they call that like when you have inpatient when you're in like an inpatient recovery you're you're plugged in there you know yeah. what i mean so that's what i had i had my clean time in jail i had what i learned in the salvation army and i had um a gr- garbage bag full of shit when they kicked me out <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean so i remember one the night i got kicked out i was walking down wilson way with a garbage bag and i talked to this guy in front of a hotel and um looking back i think honestly that guy was ready he he made it clear that he had crank and he probably wanted to have sex with me. You know what I mean? So I just used his phone call. I was like, all right, I'm about to fucking, you know what I mean? I'm about to do whatever. I'm about to smoke crank with this guy if my fucking uncle doesn't answer. Thank God for your uncle, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Dude. I would have been sore in the morning, yeah, yeah. dude. No, I mean, freaking, we do what we got to do, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a program of honesty. Um. So my uncle answers, he lives in Oakland, right? So he's this fucking hard-nosed old school program bucking tough love type guy. I call him, he was my one phone call from this guy's phone. He's in Stockton visiting my other uncle and he's like, Stay where you're at, I'm coming to pick you up. So he was able to pick me up still had no support system. It wasn't until I got to my other program and you had a little bit more freedom and you can kind of find what any sort of 12-step program means for you. And you find your identity and you find your herd. And I was lucky to meet some great people in the Mission Peak area. That uh, you know, I really loved and I identified with and I wanted I wanted what they had, you know what I mean? So I don't know what it was that kept me clean through through all that. Cause um I got kicked out for using the cell phone. So I they go they they kicked me out and I got sent to that other program. I forget where I was going with that, but um yeah, I forget where I was going with that.
0: Well, like early recovery, it's like so vital for people. Mm-hmm to get some wins, right? And yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah. Like early on in your recovery, it's just like fail, fail, fail. Yeah. And you think that's what gave you like such a strong foundation is finding yourself through all these failures? And, and I mean, I'm assuming you're starting to develop a relationship with a higher power of some sort oh, yeah. that's carrying you through all this stuff because I'm, I'm sure alone, mm-hmm. like that's almost impossible. And then you find these people at Mission Peak, right? I
1: mean- my fucking higher power grabbed me by the back of my neck and dragged me across the way. And I confirmed, what are the fucking chances that my uncle is just so happens to be in stocked in the night? I get kicked out. He never goes up there. He was up there looking at a car. He just so happened to be spending the night there. I mean, there's just been so many different coincidences. It's uh, when I used to ride my bike from the other program. I used to ride my bike to a job in warehousing. I used to pass. The branch that my dad used to work at my dad was a, like i said my dad was very charismatic he was in sales i was able to pass this fucking branch of safety clean clean harbors every night to this warehouse job i had until i finally reached out to that same branch and it turns out the guy that runs runs that branch who's now the district sales manager knew my dad and immediately when he saw me gave me a freaking job nice yeah so it's, it's just these this series of like if i were to just my fucking higher power. I remember that conversation I had with him when I was behind the Walmart fucking bawling my eyes out, wanting a new way to live. It's just, I was willing to do that to this day. I think about that. I was willing to do anything I had to do. If you gave me the chance and I've gotten that one chance and I just haven't looked back.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, like your life today, looks pretty phenomenal, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like on yeah. our way to your, yeah. to your house, I had to put a code into a gate. Yeah. And it wasn't your a prison front, gate. No, it wasn't a prison <laughs> gate. Right. And yeah. so like, that's pretty phenomenal, man. Like I wouldn't, you know, I, cause I think I have, there's like four or five guys in my Rolodex that are clean mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. and we're talking a house of, of 80 men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that turned over so many times, like it's pretty phenomenal to see people doing what you're doing. Right. And that's why when I, mm-hmm. we, we were thinking about this and I found you're in Modesto, I'm like, cool, we got to get Evan on, man. Yeah. Um, so what does early recovery look like for you? So now you're out of the programs, um, you're plugged into a 12 step recovery fellowship. Mm-hmm. Do you just find your groove right away? Is it like, I belong here. This is what I should have been doing. Or is it kind
1: of like, you know, what does that look like for you? I think it's a little different for, you know, there's people that genuinely want to change and then there's the people that want to fit in and then there's the people like me that don't know what they want really and they just like it's like, I'm such a people pleaser that the people I want to surround myself with, I'll learn to excel in whether I want it for me or not. It's just, I kind of put myself in a position for this person to like me. So early on recovery for me was basically these men that were better than I was at that time. I wanted to be like them. So I did what they did. So they would like me, you know, it came down to something as shallow like that is I liked these people. I wanted them to like me back when you're living in the program after doing these things, just so these people would like you, then you kind of, figure out I like the way I feel now so you start doing these things for yourself so early on recovery recovery for me it was more about just kind of fitting in with these people the same way I did back on the streets you yeah. know what I mean I would just do what I had to do to kind of fit in with this crowd like I didn't I knew about the program obviously but I didn't know you know the ins and outs so you start practicing those things you know what whatever sort of program you're in and it's like you f- figure out how that feels and you start doing it for yourself yeah, and so then I, I assume you start winning, right? You start doing all the right. Things. Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, fucking, totally, man. It's it's. Uh, I've been lucky, in the sense that, um, like there's people that'll be in the program for 20 years and still struggle financially. Yeah. You know, still struggle, pain. Like, I, I was very blessed to get put in a position where I got a really good job and I was able to hold on to that job and actually move up in that job. And I'm about to marry a registered nurse, you know what I mean? So as far as material things, I was able to obtain those really fast. Right. So that's something I've been really like, once again, those are just opportunities that my higher power put out for me and and dragged me across sometimes to go do them because at the time, believe it or not, this company, Safety Clean that I'm with now, was offering me a job as like an automotive territory manager. I just took care of like little automotive accounts, whatever. I had a job at landscaping. And to that at that to, at that time, to me, it was scary to leave a job in landscaping to go be like a little automotive account manager at this new company. So it was just a lot of fear, you know. I still struggle with fear today, but yeah. Learning to walk through those things. And and
0: so like. I know, like in in recovery, where we hang out, like it's nice to get the financial stuff, Mm -hmm. but like learning how to love yourself and learning how to be a brother, a son, Mm -hmm. uh, those things are the most important things, right? Like, I mean, yeah. How long did it take before you were able to trust yourself? You know, I mean, it took me a couple of years clean before I can go somewhere by myself and trust myself. I still that. don't. I yeah. still
1: call people. I still have to call people. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I still don't trust myself completely because I, I fucking, I'll be driving around the driving down the fucking road, stuck in traffic. I'll get in a fucked up state of mind and fucked up spiritual place, and I'll just randomly think like, "Hey, I love the smell of heroin." It's like just a random fucking thought. You know what I mean? And I have to call somebody and thank God for, you know, the people in the program, too. And thank God we're not, you know, out here just figuring this out for ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: No, that's for sure. Like, and I I don't think it's funny because my partner that we do this podcast with, I'll share some of my thoughts with him. Like mm-hmm. just the most random shit, he'll just start mm-hmm. laughing. Yeah. Like 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 what the fuck, right? But like, and that's what we need to surround ourselves with people in recovery because the mm-hmm. crazy shit that goes through our head. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell me when you're crazy, thought I'll laugh. Yeah. If you tell that to your pastor, he may not laugh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It ain't that
0: fucking funny. Yeah. No. You know. So. Um. But yeah, man. So like, what would you tell somebody? you know, that might hear this, that might be where you were at, Mm -hmm. you know, like if somebody stumbles on this, like Mm -hmm. what would you tell somebody that may be out there struggling and they may be homeless. They may not see a way out of that, man. Like, what would you tell somebody like that?
1: Hang on to your fucking seat, man. It's, uh, my dog has a squeaky toy. I'm going to beat the shit out of him. (laughs) Um, just hang on to your fucking seat, man. Um, Just hang on to your seat, man. I remember hanging out with dangerous people, doing dangerous stuff was was the normal, right? And it's like you get into this place where you start out hanging out with people that are very loving and come with love and come with good intentions, man. And if you don't go to 90 meetings in 90 days, and if you don't do your fucking step work, and if you don't get a fucking, you know, if you get a fucking chick sponsor with nice fucking tits, you know, if you do all this shit wrong, just stay in your fucking seat, and seek those people out that you identify with who are in the program or saw it in the program and just do what they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because obviously what we're doing and what we normally like to do is, uh, you know, get high and get a Like, that's very normal stuff. It's like when we're hanging out with these people and these loving relationships, that's weird. That's not fucking normal stuff for us. So just get out of the nor- Get out of the normal and get into the whatever program you want to put yourself in and hang on to your fucking seat.
0: Yeah. Well, and I thought that was it's so important to hear from somebody like yourself that's that's lived through it all. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That's that's had the good childhood, mm-hmm. ended up homeless, mm-hmm. ended up bouncing back, and then now becoming a homeowner. Like all these things are possible, right? Right. With the with the ability to reach out and ask for help, mm-hmm. miracles will happen. Miracles can happen. Absolutely. So, anyways, I think we just wrapped it up. I think that's good. Absolutely, Evan, I appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, and we end it with a hug. We always end it with a hug. So you owe me a fucking hug, All right, man. Love you. I love you too, brother. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Boom. <laughs> Done. Like that.
1: Oh. Woo. Oh.
0: Yes, he wasn't so bad. Huh? No. Yeah. No. no. That's and that's gonna that's.